Greta Gerwig directed a rock and roll version of Little Women, but to pull it off, she wanted a classical tone to it. So she called in Oscar-winning composer Alexandre Desplat. Here they are today on Crew Call. Now, Alexandre, yeah. Um, tell me about what some of your favorite Alexandre scores, like how how oh. the two how the two of you well, came together. I mean, I I. My first time I ever heard an Alexandre score was in Birth, um, which yes. which was also where I saw the cinematography of Harris Savidis, who mm-hmm. is one of my, is, you know, uh, one of the greats. And um, I felt like it was the first time I was actually starting to look to at who the people were who were making the um, making the stuff. <laughs> and I think in terms of like looking at crew lists, <laughs> I hadn't really. You know, I just kind of gotten a handle on, okay, what you're following is directors. You like directors. You like specific directors. And then I was like, but, oh, I see. This person works with that person and works over here. And this person, you know, and you start, you're like, oh, I see. that This DP is over in these areas. And anyway, it's, I loved I loved his music and I found it, um, I found it very addicting, uh as, and I listened to it over and over again. And, and then I just, I, as I think everyone else who li- loves movies, like, just, it's, it's great. You're you. You're you. It's And I mean, um, I felt like I knew from the very beginning when I was sort of creating this movie, I, I, it, he was the, he was my friend of mine because I, I always thought of it as, which he said the other night. I really always thought of this movie as, as, um, as a, as a musical and as a, and as like, I wanted it to, I wanted it to be contained by music in some way. And, and it did. And it is. And I, I, there's, I mean, not to be a complete nerd, but the like last note that's played, um, over Joe's face, it was like, when I heard it, I was like, that's exact. It's like it ends. It's got a little, it, it does this beautiful thing and then it becomes intimate. And then it's almost like this question back to the audience of like, and what are you doing? And it's just, and I heard it and I was like, Oh my God, it's perfect. It's like the end of a, to me, it's like the end of a, of a musical. It's like the end of a thing. And then what's beautiful about the way that it's structured is then you almost get like, as the credits play, you get that's you know it's like a movie musical, like like I like I loved, like I grew up with, and I know we don't actually have singing in it, but it felt like it was in that tradition of um, out front. I didn't want to. I just I just love I just love it, and also it was I felt like instantly he understood what we were doing, and like the music when she they come down when they come down christmas morning and it's so lovely and it's so beautiful and the and the way the music swells and is romantic right at the moment when they're all screaming and jumping over each other because when you look back at it that's the moment that was the biggest romance for you as you're screaming and yelling and it's like it's already in the the negotiation of where the music is emotionally with what you're seeing is it has it has some sense of it's already it's already reflecting if that makes sense i mean it's both in it and allows you to say like because that was the best time and i think that that it just did instantly happen i mean all of the music i mean the 
music at the beach. I wanted to cry. I don't know. It's all good. I could just talk about the music. Maybe I could go. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can go. You can go. When did you come aboard? Did you come aboard in in pre-production or toward toward the end? Yes. Greta sent me the the script at first. And uh, we had these early conversations, which are always, you know, some vague intellectual ideas that we can share. But until you see the film, you don't, you're not really sure that they're right. You might have just fantasized about something, and actually, the reality of the of the of the uh, the actual uh, film that you have in you, in front of you can mm-hmm. just de- derive you and drift you away from your mm-hmm. first ideas. But it did not happen that time. That time. Did you play p- piano on the score? No. No. Now, what the era of of the nineteenth century and what was going on musically then? Did mm-hmm. that impact? Not at all. Not at all because it's uh, a very classical score. It's very beautiful. I, I I was listening to it literally on the way up here. It's the strings and 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 uh, and, and the piano is everything is is gorgeous, and I love that it's wall to wall. Yeah, me but, too. <laughs> well, the, the, no, it's strange because in, in my uh, classical edu- music education or in my musical education in general, uh, I have two, I've also, we, we were three siblings and had two older sisters and they played piano and they played a lot of the repertoire for piano, which is mostly 19th century. So when, when I became myself uh, a, a composer, this music of the 19th century, I couldn't stand it anymore because I, I heard it since I was one by my sisters playing it. And, and I wanted to hear the music of whether before, because I love Mozart. It's the first record that I was given mm. by my parents to listen in my bedroom was a book with a record inside telling the, the, the life of Mozart. So Mozart is the beginning and and the rest for me was the 20th century. That's the music I would long, wanted to listen to, and and then to compose, thinking of that, and not not the 19th century. So, uh, no influence from the 19th century. But what uh, Greta qu- said, as we quoted it, we, which is, oh, I'd like the score to be <laughs> at the same time classical and modern. But modern doesn't mean much. So, we, and classical neither. Could it be Mozart meets uh, David Bowie? And it, it comes back with what you said about the movie being rock and roll. The movie is rock and roll. The movie is no, there's, there's no politeness and tightness. When you, I, I was interested to, to listen to what you were saying about the costumes because the costumes, the, the hairdo, they they inspired me a lot because mm. there's a they're not this. If usually you look at these period movies and it's like a painting of the time with everyone straight and everyone very well dressed and photographs the same. They don't. They never laugh. They look at the the the, the, the uh, at the uh, the camera like this. They're mm-hmm. like scared. What will happen to me after the photo? <laughs> they never. They never smile. Yeah. And that photo of of Louisa is pretty. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> scary and photo. It, and it's exactly the opposite in the film. Yeah. There's energy in the faces, in the movements. You were talking about a musical, but mm. when I saw the film for the first time the other day, I thought that it was a ballet. It's a ballet, yes, completely. It's a ballet. It's a ballet. Because they, they move all the There's time, they touch each other, they jump one on another, they, 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 when they dance, they don't dance like they would in the time, you know, yeah. with politeness, they just... Their they, life. They push the boundaries of, the, of, their, of their life and the, of the society, and that's what I... I think we, we spoke about and what, what is fantastic about this film, that it that doesn't 
try to imitate the past. It just opens that story, which is universal to, to the future. And the, and also just even when you said a dance, I'm a big believer in film, like, um, everything's everything like the way I mean the thing I said to Yorick who is my cinematographer was I want you dancing with them I do not want this to feel static I also don't want it with a steady cam I want you uh, you know on a dolly you know designing you're a dance partner with them especially when they're when they're in their childhood, that that part, it's, uh, we kept saying it was swirly and we would sort of design these shots that would take us around this space um, so that we're dancing with them. And then he did the same thing with the music and, and that the clothes even enable movement and it, it all kind of goes together. And I think, you know, and then on top of it, one thing we talked about, and I also talked about with Yorick and that we, we were trying to, to do this thing where, there's some sense because of the timelines and because I introduced this idea of Louisa May Alcott as the author outside of Joe March, who's the author's creation, because, you know, Joe, Joe, Louise May Alcott wrote that Joe March got married and had children and Louise May Alcott didn't get married and have children. But she made an economic decision that it would be better for her heroine, even though also her and her dad. Yeah, didn't really get along. Like I, I read something right. that it wasn't. It wasn't like what we see with Joe. No. and her father. No, it was yeah. a more complicated situation. But she always thought Joe should be a spinster. But she made a she made a choice that she should that, that this would be that this would sell more. So then we were always talking about Alexandra and I in New York and I without being schematic. What's part of the movie? Like what there almost becomes a moment where there's a movie that's playing and it's outside of the movie. So the first scene is very like the first scene of of Joe and Mr. Dashwood when she's selling the story is very locked off and it's very static and it has no music. And then the movie starts and then we're in the movie and then we go back to that with no music very locked off. We're and not why, swirling. Why is, why is that? Because it's because to me that's 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 not the that's it's it's a movie within a movie, and so that's not the movie within the movie. The movie within the movie is the thing that's this magical sort of snow globe. That so then when you go to Alexandre really went for broke, which was amazing. Which is when she's running after Friedrich in the rain and the kiss and the thing. And then when we were doing, you know, we designed the shot of the, them being backlit and we have the rain machines and all the stuff. And and he wrote these symbol crashes and it's so romantic. It was so wonderful. And then we added on top of that, we added thunderclaps. I mean, we really went for it, which I can do. Because that's the movie. And then they're talking about the movie, which is the movie wrapped around the movie, if that if that yep. makes sense. So but I felt like I could really go for something sincere and romantic and then also say, Well, but maybe that wasn't the movie. It, it, like it, it, like because I was allowed this negotiation and so it was it was funny, like later or early, I guess, um, when someone first saw when there was you know, I, I showed the film and there was a suggestion at one point, maybe I just play that whole thing straight. And I was like, but I never would have shot it like that or had him write music like that if I was just going to play it straight. That's That would be insane. I don't have that movie in me. But I think that that sort of layer of like, 
shooting and writing music for the elevated thing that may or may not be the truth was it was fun and it was also it was it was a negotiation because you're not you you're not making fun of it and you're not standing outside of it really but you're saying what we all love this, but why? And why do we need it? And why is this important to us? And anyway, I think that thing with with Alexander and with York to to talk to to kind of get that part of it, like it was a it was figuring it out. But I think you instantly understood. I mean, the first time I heard the music you wrote, I was like, oh, that's exactly it. <laughs> and the, and you know, I think the the relationship between the music of childhood and the music of adulthood, there's like one particular section where in the, 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 when they're all on the beach and that they're young and they're, you know, running around and then, and it's such gorgeous music. And it reminds me of like, it, it like, like if it wasn't the music in my movie, it would be the music I always would play for other people and say, can you write something like this, please? <laughs> because it's so great. It's like, it's just exactly the kind of thing I love. But then as it transitions out of that, it's like the sort of skeleton of it remains. Then you go, you go from the shot of all of them on the beach, then to Joe and Beth on the beach together alone. And it's still there but it's slower and it's sparser fragmented, and yeah. it's fragmented. And that's the, that is the feeling I was, I was, as soon as I heard that relationship, I was like, but yes, th th that's exactly it. And, and then, you know, in a wonderful way at the end where we've sort of split the ending where it's, um, you know, it's Joe March, it's, it's Joe slash Louisa watching her book being made. And then we're playing the end of, the book itself, which is the school and it's Marmy's birthday and all of that. Um, it's like, it, it's so glorious and it's so lush and it's so emotional. And then it becomes like this private moment that Louisa is having. And it, and it just, um, I don't know the first time I heard, like as it, it, she's handed her book and what that moment is. And you hear this, just the skeleton of the of the theme you've been hearing it just it does what you always hope score will do <laughs> and and it's it, you know it's a, it was a feat it was a lot of music you recorded for so many say, days i was going to say that <laughs> was was from the onset was was her instruction wall to wall music <laughs> like yes. ballet yes but I, but I, I did not believe it yeah, you didn't I, no, yeah no, it's true, it's true. <laughs> no no we don't need that much music and i also love that it's a memorable score. It's a hummable score. I think my critique of what's mm. going on now mm. in scores, not you, uh, is it's that that subliminal. Kind yeah, well, of, you know, mm, I it's, it's yes. almost like you hear it a lot in suspense films where yeah. it's not really jumping out at you. It's a tone. It's a tone. It's a tone. It's a tone, and it's. I, I think it's also because melody is sincere. You know, and melody is hard on your sleeve to me. And I think people are scared of that because they don't, they want to be like, I'm cool. I just have one note. <laughs> and like, I don't worry. I'm just going to hide behind this cello. And like, like, don't, don't accuse me of loving anyone. I don't. I just love this one cello note. And I just feel like, do it. Like, I, I feel like these characters are so big in yes, their emotions. And, and I, it would be disrespectful to their hearts if I tried to make it cool. 
you know, or, and I mean cool in the sense of coldness and the sense of pulling back from something. I want, I needed to meet them. It reminds me of, um, I don't know. I just feel like that's where they are. And I, and I, and, and he writes beautiful melody, like, and beautiful score. I mean, you know, it's. The, the, I mean, the opening sequence when Joe is running is, is, explains it all, what we have tried to do. The, the simplicity of what you hear, even though it's very complex inside the orchestration and, yeah. and the rhythm and, and the intric- intrication of the instruments and the two pianos and, yeah. uh, but the, the, but it pushes you into the movie and into the into this character, because Joe is is the leader, of course, of the character. But it it tells you that the movie you're going to get into or start to be watching has that energy, that uh, melancholy at times, um, that uh, these high tinkling notes, mm-hmm. and still sometimes very underneath low, underneath things bouncing, um, and. And to come back to Mozart, you know, the beauty of Mozart is that as uh, I think, you know, traditional music, not folklore, but, you know, ethnic music, if you, if you ask a a musician in, in, I don't know, in in his hut somewhere in Africa or in the desert, uh, in the Sahara, play me something happy or play me something sad, he will play the same thing. Mm. There's no difference between mm. happy and sad. And that's the beauty of Mozart. Mm. Mozart, I'm not sh- I'm sure he didn't think that way, but that's what he did. Mm. His music is never happy or sad. It's always both. Mm. And if you put images on a music which has these two uh, qualities, the music, the, the film just take the color of what, you know, mm. and the music changes colors also. It's very uh, enchanting to try and find that, that duality in the music. And I think that's what all the way of the film we, we tried to do. And I think, too, the music echoes the character of Joe and also echoes inevitably me because I, I'm sort of, you know, part of it is you get into every frame of it is like, is it's so many ideas. Joe had so many ideas. I had so many ideas. And I feel like, it's that it's that mirroring of character and 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 director and and collaborators and the kind of I always think of I mean when I I mean I can't help it when I think of Mozart I always think of um of um, Amadeus and mm. then they say they say to him it's too many notes <laughs> I feel like everybody always says to me it's too many words it's going too fast what are you doing <laughs> you know about my films and I'm like uh, and I'm like not at all to compare myself to Mozart but I Never feel like I. that quality <laughs> of just like I've got a million of them and then he mirrored he, he mirrored it he met it and then you know that that first piece of her running there's almost like a sense of almost she falls off the cliff and then she comes back. And that's, that's that feeling of like, is it too much? No, it's not. We can get back on. It's a, it's, it's a wonderful, I mean, I, you know, this was a, this was a blessed experience where everything came together, but I just knew in my heart, he also said something which we've talked about, but he said something at the beginning when we talked early and I'd sent him the script and it was a very complicated script and it had, you know, these timelines and different colors to indicate the timelines. And then at some point the timelines flip and, you know, but he said something that I really stuck with me and it was just very simple. He said, um, in movies, time only ever moves forward. 
And I was like, oh, you're right. Because you can, you can go back in time, you can go forward in time, but the experience of the movie only ever goes forward. So whatever, whatever it is we're doing, we have to be spiraling upwards because, because that's how you experience, you experience it. And, um, and that's how the score pushes always. Oh, it's always pushing forward. It it's never, always pushing it forward. It's never static, as you these kind of sounds that you were you were beautifully humming. But the, but the and and I'll just say one other thing. Like it was, I mean, we we sat together. We, ta we he watched the movie without any score, which I like as I tempt with a bunch of his music and then he was like nope I'm gonna watch it with nothing which just made me feel like I was standing in an auditorium wearing no pants and I was like I hate this um but it was actually very instructive and then I watched it with I watched it with nothing and um but then when we sat together and we were talking about what we wanted for for everything and I was explaining and it, it just um It's always astonishing to me how everything gets in and and how it kind of, you know, I'm even thinking of the sequence where she's she's writing the book and we we t I was like this is like in another movie this would be like um like the making love scene or the fight I don't this is the scene like and then he wrote this piece that I was like that is that's it and it's not we don't want to it's not the end it's it's the making love scene but then we're gonna wait to really have it come together at the end and he was like no I know what you mean and like let's it's gonna um It's this, it's the, it's the making in love. And then at the end is like, and they get married, but there's no marriage. It's just that she gets her book. Um, which is hopefully what is, is as satisfying as a marriage would be in a, you know, a traditional narrative that way. So in any case, it was just, it was just sort of amazing because I'm not a musician and I'm not a composer. How much, how much it all fit together. In that Something way, I, I never said to you, mm. but um, when I, I knew the book because as a child I, I read it because my sisters read it and mm -hmm. blah blah blah, and uh, and we had two versions at home. We had the American versions because my parents had lived here and had all their books from where they lived here, mm. and um, and we had the French version, and the, the French title. <gasps> oh, it's remember? the daughters of yes, the, the daughters of Doctor March. Uh, yeah, which is what? <laughs> yes. Doctor March, who's not there, yeah, you know he's away. It's all about the girls, but the film is the the, the title is the, the daughters Doctor March, yeah, which is which those ha which shows patriarchy, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. you know heritage. Uh, and and when I saw her film, that was not it was not the Quatre Filles Doctor March. It was Little Women. Yes, Maybe clearly it doesn't get titled in France. No, wait, wait, you know, it actually will get titled in France that way because, the, yeah, because that is the heritage of the book there. Um, wow. No, I've looked at some materials and I was like, can we not change this? And they were like, nope, that's what it's called in France. Oh, yes, yeah, are. it's still. And I was like, can't we say like, Le Cat Fee in big. Le Cat Fee. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. I mean, but but no, it's it's funny. That's I've uh, that's uh, something I definitely um, knew. It's yeah. It's it's. I don't know how it did in Italian, for example. Oh, in Italian, it's it's great. It sounds great. I've heard it, and I'm going to mess it up now. It, it is it is Little Women, but it sounds just 
wonderful. Donna like, Piccolo. Yeah, a Piccolo Donna, <laughs> like, something like that. <laughs> and yeah. they were saying it because of the Lena Wertmuller. Uh, yes. I was I seeing all these, I was talking to all these time, and they were like, oh, this is, can't wait for this movie. And then they'd say it, and I was like, oh, it sounds so wonderful when you say it. <laughs> Maybe we should just call it Piccolo Donna. <laughs> um, um, uh, what is next for you both? Oh, God. I gotta write something. I mean, I've got your I'm space a, movie. Yeah, my space movie. That's right, my space movie that I'm gonna shoot on. Um, just, on just lasers. Just bunch of lasers. I don't know. They make movies now. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. You're working with one of my friends. You have a you have a friend. Yeah, I have a friend. <laughs> with yeah, Wes, you yes, mean? You were Wes? With us. Yes. Uh, Wes, I, I, I yes. have completed the score already with Wes Anderson. Yes, yeah. that's done. And 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 that is that. Can you can you tell us what that's in the spirit of? Or it's in the spirit of Wes Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 multiply by one thousand. It's oh, wow. it's uh, it's like it's more more than uh, the ones you've seen before. Wow. It's fantastic. Wow. I can't wait. I I know. I yeah. No Noah saw it and he loved it, and I can't. I'm so excited every time he makes a movie. And anything else? Uh, I'm also writing songs for the next uh, Pinocchio that Guillermo del Toro is directing for stop motion. You know. Oh, so there are some wonderful. little songs there that Harold oh. would be able to hear oh. and sing. I love. I, I, I yes, that's right. I love Guillermo. He's. He's, he's a wonderful. Artist, yeah. He's a, and he's so wonderful. He's such a cinephile. He's so fun to talk to about movies. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, thank you, thank you, thank, thank you. you. Tell me everything about the beginning. Mm. Meaning, mm. did Amy Pascal come to you? Was this? Were you taking meetings around town? Oh, and they threw this. <laughs> they threw this at you, and you were like, "Oh, that's my favorite book from my childhood." How did it? How did everything? get uh, started after after Lady Bird? Well, actually, it didn't get started after Lady Bird. It got started before Lady Bird. Um, I hadn't made Lady Bird yet. I had written the script, but I hadn't, I, I hadn't directed it. Um, and I, I mean, actually, maybe even this started before the script was out in the world. It was before I'd even put it together. Um, but I was, I had heard from my agent in a dinner, they, oh, they're, they, they just said, oh, they're going they're thinking of doing Little Women. And I was like, but they can't because I have to do it. <laughs> and they said, what do you mean? And I was like, oh, I have an idea. I've always, I've had this idea of how to do this movie. And, um, they were like, well, we can try to set up a meeting. You've not directed anything. I don't know how this is going to work. But I, um. I went in and I explained my idea of how I wanted to write it. And, um, and, and then luckily they, they said yes. And so I wrote two drafts, two or three drafts of the movie. And then I went off and I directed Lady Bird. And then by the time I got back to it, they were willing to let me also direct it. <laughs> it's so rock and roll. Oh, thank I you. I mean, from the trailer thank to the you. actual, the, the, yeah, the film thank you. delivers on what thank I saw you. in the trailer. Oh, thank you. No offense, because I know the original producers from the 90s film are on this one. But <laughs> even my wife, I saw it with my wife yeah. when we were dating in yeah. college. Yeah. It's it's a different movie. <laughs> it's a slow movie. You've just reawakened it. Yeah. And oh, I'm curious... You. Tell me specifically, you said some of the modern elements were always in there in Louisa May Alcott's text. What were they? What jumped out at you? 
Well, there was, I mean, first of all, the, the core of the story, the thing that everyone um, responds to and has responded to for 150 years through so many adaptations and so many, um, so many takes is this, is this core of this um, love of this family, of these sisters, of the magic of childhood and the ambition that they had, that they were bigger than the world around them. And I think that that's something that's continued to today. And that's why it's translated into 52 languages and it's never been out of print for 150 years. But I felt like when I reread the book, the thing that jumped out at me instantly was um, that the whole book to me, just seemed it's it was about money and it was about women and money and it was about and art and art women money and art and that was something that felt like it was so clear to me and even from the first line of the book which is christmas won't be christmas without any presents it's so dreadful being poor uh that seemed like it it seemed to recenter it and i'd been you know reading of course, Virginia Woolf, and <laughs> because I'm me. <laughs> um, I, but, you know, the essay, Virginia Woolf, A Room of One's Own, what she says is everybody remembers the the line, like, to write, you need a room of one's own, which sounds very romantic and very sort of, uh, like, cozy. And But what she actually says, you need a room of one's own and money. And she says, she says, uh, you know, uh, Poetry depends upon intellectual freedom, and intellectual freedom depends upon material things. So women have not had a dog's chance of writing poetry. And I found that to be completely, completely, like could, could have been written yesterday. And she said, she was asked to speak on why are there no great women writers? And she said, that's not the question. The question is, why have women always been poor? Because they've been poor forever, because they don't have any way of making money. So you can't ask, why don't they do this? If you're not addressing, why can't they earn a living? And I just felt like who Louisa May Alcott was, what Joe was trying to do, what Amy's trying to do, what they're all contending with, with the world, with the economics, was already part of the story. Not to mention, I felt like all these lines stood out to me in stark relief. Things like Amy saying, I want to be great or nothing, or Marmy saying, I'm angry almost every single day of my life. And I think that what people remember the book to be is the way that morality lessons are kind of tied up with a bow. But what's actually in it is much spikier and weirder than anyone gives it credit for. And then in terms of structuring it with starting with them as adults, and having childhood be this thing that you go back to both as, is it a, is it a memory? Is it a a distorted memory or is it how you're writing it down or is it a key to moving forward? It's that to me was something that once I started layering the text, as we start with adults and, and childhood is this um, kind of almost a snow globe of something that you can't enter uh, that was it a key to making it even more emotional to me as an adult? I mean, there's some, I mean, it's the civil war and post civil war era, mm-hmm. you know, you, but yet you've, you've livened <laughs> it up with these gorgeous costumes. Yes. You've, you've taken yeah. it over to Paris. Yeah. And like the dance on the porch <laughs> is just, and the music in that oh my is God. just, yeah, yeah. that's just, it just, it's not your typical period. no, did you always see those elements? Like, it's not entirely Sofia Coppola's Marie Antoinette because they're not wearing sneakers. No, nope. but but it's there's some there's a little bit. 
there's yeah really invigorated well the thing that i wanted to do was not make it i didn't want to make it anachronistic to be cheeky what i wanted to do was find as much research as i could to ground it in reality uh that it deviates from the stereotype of what you think of Civil War America was. Because I think there's all these images of Civil War America, particularly portraiture photographs, um, which has a particular look. Everybody's wearing their hair a certain way and they look kind of stern and everything's sepia and you kind of imagine this colorless world with all these bad hairstyles. And the reality was very different from that. You just need to find these references. And I was so lucky that I had, I had a lot of time to research and I had incredible collaborators between Jess Goncher, who was our, my production designer and Jacqueline Dran, who, who made the costumes. Um, and we spent all this time looking for evidence of what I, what I wanted to do. So for example, with like the hair, I say, I hate these hairstyles. <laughs> Find me girls with messy hair. And then um, they found me all these photographs by uh, Julia Margaret Cameron that have girls with kind of frizzy, messy hair. And they were taken in 1865, and they're completely in the pocket of the world. And, and they're not wearing corsets. They're wearing kind of loose pre-Raphaelite clothes. They're not wearing... They're not wearing hoop skirts. And, you know, and I slowly gathered all these images between photography and paintings. And there's this wonderful Winslow Homer painting of girls on the beach. And they're, they just look like girls. They're wringing out their dresses. There's a dog running around. They, they don't look like period girls. And I think that that's, that's the thing I was always looking for. So everything can be footnoted in terms of why it looks like how it looks, but it also, enabled me to to make it fresh. The other thing I wanted to do was, you know, with Jacqueline is you establish the rules of the world that they live in, and then you get to build out from that. So, and even musically, we got to do that. It's Susanna, who's our music supervisor, and with Alexandre, we worked on what were the dances of the music of that time, and then how is what we do different? Or how is the music different? How is the music modern but not distracting? How is it radically classical in a way? And I think that that's always what we were trying to merge. Um, I think – I always think of – when I think of these people, I think no one had been as modern as these people. And and I looked at a lot of films for references – whether it was um, Heaven's Gate, which freaked everyone out. Um, <laughs> I was like, someone at some point was like, stop talking about Heaven's Gate. That, like, that, that, actu- that actually wrecked a studio. Um, <laughs> um, and, uh, and, uh, or, or, you know, Truffaut films, uh, Two English Girls or Jules mm. and Jim, uh, they, they don't feel static. Like he's sort of irreverent with the way he cuts it and the way it moves. So you never feel like... I'm locked in. I mean, even to the reading letters directly to camera, that's, you know, from two English girls. And, and then, um, John Houston's The Dead, uh, was a, another, another reference that I felt like had, had life in it. Um, a slightly different one, but looking at a lot of the same things, like I, I loved a lot of the camera movements in Age of Innocence. Um, and Scorsese, it felt like there were, there were, there were, Examples. Oh, McCabe and Mrs. Miller, how everything's sort of lit low and they don't worry too much about, 
it's like you never imagine a period piece where people mumble. But I liked having all of these references of like, not everything has to be nailed to the ground to be taking place in a time. And I, I felt like we collected all these influences that allowed me to feel freedom and confidence in doing it in a way that wasn't um, making it up, but it also wasn't, not everything was so precious. Jumping from Lady Bird. Yes. A really like independent film, which yeah. it felt like it was pretty easy to, Harness together, get your guys, <laughs> get everyone going. I, I'm watching this, and it was the ball. I mean, everything, but the ballroom, the ball scene. I was like, "Wow!" <laughs> from this to that, I said, "Oh my god, is that daunting?" Uh, did you like? Did you have to? Um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, when they with storyboard? Yeah, a lot. I did storyboard. I mean, what I will so, say is, it's so epic. What I will say is that I'm thank you. Um, what I will say is it actually. What's funny about Ladybird is Ladybird is actually also a period piece, even though people don't think of it that way. It takes place in 2001, 2002, and it's pretty specifically that time period. And we Sacramento, yeah, and we spent and and in. specifically I, yeah. like. What are people wearing? What's on the radio? What are the cars? What are the objects? I mean, even down to things like I remember with the production designer, it was before Ikea was really prominent everywhere. So like kind of casually just having that kind of design in a house wasn't happening. So where did furniture come from? JC Penney's or like, you know, like little things like that. So those things are, are were already things that I was thinking about in world building, this is just on a much larger scale. Um, and I loved it. I mean, honestly, getting to work with these collaborators, I mean, it was just, it was just extraordinary. And then, you know, you get to really be a nerd and create all these spaces and go for it. And, um, you have the resources to do it. And I mean, even to down to, we, you know, we shot film, which was, I, I really fell on my sword over that because I thought, I have to. It's 1861. This is close. This is the closest chemical process we have to that. Like we, I, I, if I was shooting a movie about space, I, maybe I want something different. But this is about humans in the 19th century. We have we have to have a techno- technological process that's closer. Um, or that's how I that's how I felt. And plus, I just. I just love it, and I wanted all those colors. <laughs> I have one more question before we go to the music. You shot I, – I heard that you uh, you shot in Alcott's father's school. Yes, we did. never happened. Yeah. So you went – was it – this was shot up in um, – Concord. In Concord. Yes. And was – did you shoot in um, Hyannisport? Oh, not – we didn't shoot in Hyannisport, but we, we did – the beach that we were on was Crane Beach. Yes. Which is uh, yes, untouched. My, yes. And with, with – there's the outside shot of the mansion. Yeah. That's where Witches of Eastwick was shot. Yeah, that's it's right. also where my nephew was married. <laughs> um, yeah. So – Yes, So that's I know right. that – I caught that. Yes, caught that's that. – that, that's your – that's uh, – that, that was actually when – because I was like, I need a place that looks – you know, European enough. And, um, actually I was, benef- it was, it was a benefit and a problem that my DP was French because he was like, he was, it was amazing because he could tell me what looked right or not. Um, but I remember in the ballroom scene, 
which is beautiful. But I, he was like, he was like, this would not be in Paris. It would be in if you were in like the like Cannes or like the like the sh- the the coast. It would be there, but it wouldn't be in Paris. And I was like. Well, let's just, I mean, it's good enough for me. We don't know. We weren't there. Where did you shoot that? The- oh, I don't want to tell. I want okay, everyone okay. to just think it was Paris. <laughs> but, be- I mean, just, yeah. wow. Yeah. 